I'm Alex, and I'm super. I'm Dr. Kevin, and I am naturally a junkie. And there's no We are the junkie. super... Wait, we are... The supernatural super junkies. junkies. Look at us, coordinated. Yes. Don't ask us to sing. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to Supernatural Junkies. It's Alex, Kevin, and a very special guest. Yet again, we have the extraordinary... The super. Doc- yeah, the doctor, the pastor, the boxer former military guy, you name it, this guy has done it. Well, I'm telling you, every time we talk to him, something I, else. Something new. Yeah, I, you, I learn. <laughs> don't you love that? You know, you have someone you talk to, and you, you're like, I didn't know that. Uh, this guy has done a lot. He's been a lot of places. He knows what's going on. It's our favorite, Dr. Dozer. Dr. Dr. Pastor, Ninja, Boxer, Superman, Dozer. Dozer. <laughs> Oh, I don't know if I could take all of that. <laughs> that was a lot. Don't don't let your wife hear that one. No, no. no. <laughs> I'm keeping it in. Yeah, no, she'll come back. She'll tell us the truth. We'll have this episode just for her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I want that. And I am, what am I today? Well, I am a natural junkie, I guess, today. And I guess yep. that would make me a super junkie. Yep. <laughs> so we have a great topic today, guys. Uh, what do we do when the Bible becomes political? And that is the question for the day. You know, these are trying times. And I think we're all asking ourselves, you know, where do we draw the line? How, and we're getting how, tried. Yes, we are getting tried. Mm-hmm. Where do we draw the line? You know, we, we are called to be peacemakers, but we are also to stand with Christ. And this is a very important part of our faith. And where does this line really begin? Where does it end? And how do we navigate the times that we're living in? And this show will not be all the answers, uh, but we're going to bring lots of stuff up. And you'll see, you know, God is giving us answers as we work our way through this. And uh, that's why we have Pastor Dojo here, and he's going to be able to help us as well because these are common things that are that they're dealing with in their church all the time, and the people in the church. And remember, the church is just people. There's nobody here but us chickens, right? <laughs> so that's what we have. So that's what we have to remember here. So when we think about um, this, is another one of those things where I was talking with Pastor Dozer, and I was just asking ourselves, you know, how do we draw these lines, make these decisions? And uh, he said, well, you know, what you're really asking is, what do you do when the Bible becomes political? And so I thought, well, based on that conversation, I said, this is something everybody needs to hear. And more specifically, as we think about how to stand up and really work our way through these times that we're living in, these are conversations that we just need to have. So what do you think, what do you mean when you said, what, what do we do when the Bible becomes political? Well, the first thing that we must do is we must define the words biblical and, you know, mine, I want to add the word spiritual and then political. We want to define those so that we can put that out. Is that okay? Yep. Okay. So first, when we look at biblical, biblical would be defined as that which relates to or is contained in the Bible. That which relates to or is contained in the Bible. That's what we're speaking of when we speak of that which is biblical. And this is referred to as scripture. Uh, now, the word spiritual in Hebrew, the word ruach, uh, it speaks of life, uh, the life of a rational being and the functions of that being. Uh, we see that same word in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, where it speaks of the spirit of God, ruach, moving upon the face of the deep. And then we go to the Greek, uh, not spirit pneuma, but going further, pneumatikos. Pneumatikos it speaks of that which is non-carnal 
or that which is not humanly. So this would be the part of man that is related to God. That's right. Now, political, on the other hand, refers to that which relates to government or the public affairs of a country. Now, check out the etymology of that word, the word political. The etymology of the word political or politics is the Greek word uh, politika. And we look at this word politika, this speaks of the affairs of a city, polis, the affairs of a city, polis, where you think of metropolis, polis. Uh, so when we look at this, this would be the method of rulership over a nation, government, state government, or local government in groups or other types of ruling authorities among individuals. Right. So that's a pretty good definition. And especially when what I love that what you said is about how when you're talking, talking about scripture, you're talking about being biblical. You're talking about life. And remember that Jesus said he is the way, the truth and the life and that he came to give us an abundant life. So these are the things that when we're talking about the Bible, remember, this is God's intent, but he is our father. He is fathering us. He is going to talk about us with respect to the dangers that there are in the world. There's going to be warnings here that we all have to, to, to look at. And so that's why we need our Bibles to live our lives. So, you know, obviously a lot of people believe that, you know, especially in America, it's very common that, you know, there's a separation of church and state, right? And so, you know, a lot of people would literally say, go, go far and say, they think that that's actually a biblical thing that the Bible really tells us that, you know, we have a government and then we have our our, our, our faith and they're, they're not actually, you know, connected. How do you feel about that idea of separation of church and state being biblical or not? When it comes to uh, separation of church and state, I have to ask the question, can you truly legitimately separate God from either mm. I didn't say can you separate either from God but can you separate <laughs> God from either if I were to go to uh, Romans 13 it tells us to let every soul be subject unto the higher powers for there is no power but of God mm -hmm. the powers that be ordained of God so when we look at this God is the one who set up government Right. he ordained it right. God instituted government right and so you can see here, all power comes from God, right? And then God designated spheres of, of influence or spheres of power. And of course, the first one that he really founded was the family. I mean, the family goes back to even before the fall of mankind. Wait, there's, you're not allowed to say that anymore, are you? <laughs> right. Well, again, it's only his definition of the family. Right. Well, this is, of course, why, you know, it's not a coincidence we see what's happening in the world today you know, being the attack on that family. Right. Right. So you can see it really gets down to what kind of family do you want to have already? Do you want to have a biblically correct family or you want to have a politically correct family? You really can't have either. But what you're what is, saying. But what is the politically correct family nowadays? I don't know. Right. Well, <laughs> neither do they. That's the point. Yes. Yeah. Well, their families don't all produce children, right? Right. Or you can't say mother, father, grandmother, grandfather. Yes. Right. What What are we then? Well, you start to really see where these lines start to blur. But I think, you know, what Dr. Dozer is trying to get at is, is that all power comes from God. And, you know, do you want God in your government? 
Well, if you don't want him, who would say that, right? We, we need him as a country. We need him, you know, as even in our government. So the idea of taking God out of our government doesn't make any sense. Right. You know, because um, there are rules that that God has prescribed that, that man is to be governed by. Mm-hmm. God set it down. So man is to be governed by those rules. And we know God is a spirit. He is the supreme spirit. He is the supreme being. So as the supreme being, even the creator of mankind, he set the course for humans uh, to conduct themselves through life. He sets the course for humans to conduct themselves through life. Amen. Right. And that life is something he wants to be involved with every part of it. Right. So, you know, I think when we start to understand this difference, you know, you still have to question to yourself and ask, well, why, why is it so hard for us? Why is it hard for the church? Why is it hard for us as individuals to, to deal with political things. What do you think that is? Um, there, there is something that, that can take place that causes what was once considered spiritual and biblical by mankind, okay, following God's word, becoming a political-only issue. Right. Now, in truth, such a view is a fallacy. Right. When I say it's a fallacy, I'm saying it's a fallacy. I'm saying it's a mistaken belief, and it's based on argument without soundness. Right. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll I'll, I'll go into some things uh, today from the scripture to prove this. Okay. So when you think about you know political things, but you, Alex, what do you think? Why uh, why is the politics so? I mean, think about it. our society is literally set up. You don't talk about two things. What are they? You don't talk about religion, right? <laughs> so that's not talking about the biblical, right? You're not allowed to talk about the biblical, and you're not allowed to talk about the political. So you mm-hmm. think about our show is literally, yeah, we're talking about the two things that we're told never to talk about. Right. Don't talk about these two things. And so why do we why do we have this whole reaction? What do you think is going on? Well, it's power, right? I think um, those at the top of that political power have realized if you allow God into that realm, then they lose their power. They lose their uh, influence. They lose, uh, because if you have to abide by God's rules before you do anything, how many things that we have instituted, legislated now are invalid, right? They, they can't be because they are not godly. And um, they lose their power. I mean, I think that's why. You know, when I think about politics, I think about agenda, right? And and what is God's agenda? Well, number one, the family, right? Number two, to bless you. But guess what, folks? Not everything is a blessing. Did you know that discipline from a father who loves you is a blessing? And yet that's what we would say, the fact that everybody's just got to pat each other on the back and smile and pretend that everything you do is wonderful, right? <laughs> And, and that just doesn't happen in our house. I don't know. How, what about you when you're, you're a kid? I mean, it doesn't happen for Kevin. <laughs> just saying. Yeah, you know, when I was a kid, we got spankings. We didn't get beatings. We got spankings. And, right. I mean, it didn't kill us. Uh, but it definitely caused us to reverence our parents. And when we were, when we did something wrong, we were fearful of the consequence. It didn't last forever. But the thing is, we were disciplined by it because we knew, uh, bad actions brought about bad consequences that's right okay and you start to think about especially as parents that's when you start to understand you know when you say that god is love there is a part of love that stands up and there's a part of love that says 
that's not the best. And because it's not the best, it's not going to work out for you well, right? And so because I love you, that's why I'm talking about this. But I think about a lot of people, are, it, there's fear involved, right? We talk especially about churches in particular. You know, if you become too political, right, people don't want to talk about politics. They're tired of hearing about it on television, fighting about it. They want to go to church and they want to hear something positive, right? Then you think about the political agenda that they really are great at making us feel guilty, you know, and you're already dealing with that, you know. So, but the power and the the idea that just bringing up disagreement, why can't we talk about something positive, right? And so this is a lot of these sayings that go on in our society where people are placating one another. A lot of times the church is placating us to where we're not really willing to talk about, you know, the real things. And that's what we try and do on this show to bring these kinds of things up. And you can see here, you know, when you when you hear from a pastor talking about, you know, these are really difficult issues. I mean, you know, I struggle with them sometimes for sure. But if I was a pastor, man, I'd be really thinking about, you know, what do I need to bring up? Or maybe should I leave that one alone? <laughs> what, what kind of happens with some of those ideas? Okay. First and foremost, when the biblical becomes political, what happens is it starts at not the church level, but it starts at a national level. Right. When a nation forgets God, what it does is it moves to eradicate the biblical by elevating the political over the spiritual. Right. So all that's required is an infiltration of a person or a group of persons with an ungodly agenda. If you would think about Ahab, when you think about Ahab, who do you think about? When Jezebel. You, Jezebel. <laughs> now, Ahab marries this Zidonian princess, the daughter of Ethbael. This woman brings in her own core of prophets. Her entourage. Her 850 <laughs> total. Oh my God. And what she wants to do is eradicate the worship of Jehovah and bring in the worship of Baal and mm. Asherah. Mm. And so what you have here is a man by the name of Ahab, her husband, I believe he was the son of Amri, and this man here was seduced, he was enticed, and he was persuaded to work wickedness in the presence of the Lord. The word makes it very clear that Ahab set his heart on doing what he did. Hmm. He was worse than others. Now, he married Jezebel. He served and worshiped her false gods. Okay. He built an altar sacrifice in the temple of Baal. But here's the problem. Hmm. The temple of Baal was built in Samaria. Hmm. Now, what was Samaria? Samaria was the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel. Hmm. And so he made that a national religion. Hmm. Not only did they do that, oh, we're getting deep with this, but right. not only did he do that, mm -hmm. but they also sacrificed the children uh -huh. to Molech yep. in the fire. Yeah, okay. it's difficult to believe, really. So yeah, Manasseh. Uh. whenever a nation moves God's word and his worship out of his place, that nation becomes spiritually destitute. And if there is no revival, it will become spiritually dead. I have two verses that you can look at before we move forward. One of them 
because people have to see this in the word. Our listening audience may already know this, but we want to bring it out anyway. We don't want to assume anything, I, I don't think. When we look at uh, Proverbs 12, Proverbs 29, 12, should I say, it says, if a ruler hearkens to lies, if a ruler gives attention to mm. lies, all of his servants are wicked. Oh my now, goodness. who would his servants be? That's the question. Mm. Who would his servants be? His servants would be those people who support him. His servants would be those people who contribute to him. Mm-hmm. So it says all of those people who follow a leader that hearkens unto lies, that serve a leader that hearkens to lies, that they are wicked. Why? Mm-hmm. Because what you're doing is you're carrying out that leader's agenda. And then when you look in Psalm 917, it tells you, this just goes right there, the wicked shall be turned into hell mm. and a nation which forgets God. Mm. Yes. How does a nation forget God? It takes the word away. Mm. Yes. Wait, did you say spiritual <coughs> destitute or spiritual prostitute? <laughs> we can say both. Yes. Because <laughs> that's uh, what it sounds like. Combine that word for us, sweetheart, and make a new word. That destitution? <laughs> spiritual destitution? Yes. Well, isn't that, you know, chilling what you're saying here is that the fact that they take God away from our mm-hmm. government is a big telltale sign. Yeah. This is when we need to actually confront our government. Yeah. That's the first thing that happens. And you think back to, you know. Oh, we are sacrificing our young, aren't we? Absolutely. Ahab yeah. and Jezebel, you can think she wanted the killing of the children. right? And, and there you have it, because what was once <laughs> considered a biblical issue, now they begin to say that that is a political issue. Right. Same-sex marriage. And I got things down here in Leviticus 18 and Leviticus mm-hmm. 20 where God gives instructions where he says, uh, woman shall not sleep with womankind as with a man. It is an abomination. It says, likewise, they're not to sleep with an animal. That mm. is bestial. That's bestiality. Yep. Right. And then when you go to 20, it says a man is not to sleep with a man uh, as with a woman. Right. It is an abomination, which means it's despicable. Right. It's disgusting and despicable before God. Right. Likewise, mm. he is not to sleep uh, 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 with an animal and then right. it goes on to mention issues of incest and things of the like even adultery mm-hmm. it mentions those particular things right. but then you pass laws and then people say well this is not a biblical issue this is a political issue right yeah and, and so if and, you say and even the legal issue now yeah right well we could give so many examples you know of what's happening today and how they have turned what was spiritual into political battles, battlegrounds, really, mm-hmm. right? Because we are, aren't we sacrificing our young? Isn't that what abortion is? Yes. I mean, when you think about the African-American community, I mean, we're not going to get too far into this today. We're going to do another episode about CRT and Marxism and socialism with Dr. Dozer here. But, um, you know, that is what abortion is. It is sacrifice. And there are what more people in New York City, there's more abortions performed on the black community than there are black children born every year. And yes. um, that is some kind of sacrifice, isn't yes. it? And there then, are people to this day who admit, I mean, people who push this agenda that they believe is great 
and they say it is a form of sacrifice. Right. No, they're Satan. Right. Satanists yeah. that they they say I, you know, and you guys can find them online where they're showing videos of like, um, I'm giving my abortion up for Satan. You know, this is a sacrifice to Satan. Like, there's a bunch of really weird people that are. They'll show you. They'll tell you that's what they're doing. But that is it. That's not the only point. There's so many that we're well, doing. And, and there's the idolatry part of it as well. You right. know, Stevie Nicks was saying, you know, straight up, you know, if I'd have had my children, I wouldn't have been famous. We'd have never had Fleetwood Mac. And what she just told you is who she worships. But you can't sing right? and be pregnant. Right. That's bizarre. We that should is talk to Adele about it. That's, that's really what she <laughs> did. You know, for me, the ultimate example is right where we're going right out of the box. The first thing that God did when he created man in his image which is mankind male and female created he them right okay we are in his image right that alone means what satan wants to corrupt that right so you start to think then these men and women were married right and then they had the children the first thing they did was what kill the children right now they're working backwards what did they destroy next the marriage right, right? and what's we're the last finding what marriage is now right? exactly and that's the last part of it now we destroy what it means to be male and female and what are they doing they're destroying everything that god did when he created right. mankind and they are corrupting and destroying his image and they are defiling his family and you start to think about is that a biblical thing that's a hundred percent call this is why there's a lot of things that are going on. And most people, Christians, are going to say, you know, hey, abortion is wrong. They get that, right? I know one of the polls that I saw, if you just poll women who've had abortion, did you kill your child? I mean, it was in the 90% that that's what they would say. So how can we not say it as a society if that's what they would say about it? Right. How is that somehow now we can't call it what it is, right? So you start to see here, this is that first line. I think we all know as Christians, we have to have these lines that we draw. But I also want to say that if you are somebody who listens to this podcast and you've had an abortion, you know, the only thing we would say, we're not against you, but you need to repent and ask for forgiveness because you didn't know I did and sometimes do things I didn't know better, right? When you know better, you do better. If you didn't know, you know, maybe you're like, I didn't look at it that way and you're a Christian now and um, I would just pray about it. Right, because we're not saying that we're against you. We're that's not it. But what we're saying is we have to see it for what it is. And I just wanted to add that. And a lot of people that have been involved in the abortion industry or the people that have had abortions, they didn't know what they were doing either until they had kids themselves and they realized, right. Oh my goodness. I think that's part of it too, is you don't realize until you have children, yep. you have a family, and then you realize like I wow this is amazing i i would you know if i could go back you don't know what you lost right. you really don't yeah yep. some might think that some people may say well and i'm not saying in our audience but i'm saying that's the probability because you may share this with someone and they may say well they're just cherry picking they're picking out issues to prove their point well mm. that's not what we're doing no but what we're looking at is issues that our nation has already fallen into Right. Our nation has already fallen into these right. issues, and uh, what they're doing is they're dishonoring what God honors. Right. And even as we talk about, some people may not know this. They may they may be familiar with Psalm one thirty nine fourteen, where David writes, "I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous mm-hmm. are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well." But even when you look right in there, uh, we see the supreme i would call him the supreme scientist mm-hmm. the supreme 
uh, holder of all knowledge, and that will be God. And here it is, when you look in Psalm 139, it shows you the process of the development of a child. And in that, beginning in verse 15, it reads, My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. You did see, your eyes saw my substance, yet being unperfect, not yet formed. And in my book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there were none of them. How precious are thy thoughts unto me. When you were in the womb, before you were in the womb, God already thought about you and the thoughts that he had, they were prized thoughts. Mm. And so when we decide to make abortion a political issue, now what we're doing is we're saying something that God prized, it has no value to us at all. Right. Right. It's a thing. It is not a precious creation. It is not an imager of God. Yes. And And it's not a, it's not a family member either. Right. It's less than. Even some churches have adopted these things that the Lord considers an abomination. I I heard one pastor say that, well, you may not believe they're pro-choice pastors, but I'm a pro-choice pastor. Um, Then we don't serve a pro-choice God. No. We serve a God who has moral absolutes. And we say moral absolutes, that is saying that God says something and what he says, he means. He said, I am the Lord God, I change not. Whatever God has said is irrevocable. You can't say we're in the day we live live in, in this Uh. postmodern era, things are different. The only thing that is different is is, uh, with you, if you were one who believed God's word at first, is that you have fallen away from the truth of God's word and that cannot happen. That blows me away that mm-hmm. you, you know, churches that can say that. Yeah. It absolutely is. Wow. <sighs> well, you know, as you start to roll through it, I think the family is one of the big ones, you know. And I mean, everybody's struggling with this, you know, especially with the transgender, because now we're really asked to, that our Supreme Court did something that, Nobody in the in the in the in the history of humanity has done. They said that there's nothing objective about being a man or a woman. No, a man can give birth. A man it's has just, a cervix and a that womb. is only a construct of your imagination. Some men give birth. Right? You didn't know that. Kevin. And that's what male I'm telling penguins, you. Male penguins. Male uh, penguins. <laughs> right. You're like what? Being sarcastic. Wait, wait. How about the seahorse? It can. It carries yes. the babies. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, and the thing about it is, and I, I was just talking with this lady in the gym because, you know, I have my trans-vaccinated shirt, I, which basically goes on to say that, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not vaccinated, but I identify as if I was, right? And so, of course, she immediately goes, she says, you know, she says she was watching this, you know, anthropologist. He says, it's stunning that we can see you 6,000 years from now and tell you whether you're a man or a woman, but suddenly today we can't have that right there's something that and think about this folks if something if one group of us gets to have an imaginary life but they we have to all capitulate with their imaginary life but they don't have to capitulate with ours see so now you start to realize this this is tyranny right because i imagine myself to be god i'm okay with them doing their little gig but i don't think they're going to like my gig at all and you could start to see where this is clearly, it doesn't make sense as a human being, but on God's perspective, you're contaminating his image. Right. You are marring and defacing his family. Right, and to the, say, 
you're you're saying that somehow God made a mistake too. Right. You know, I was born in the wrong body. This issue, it does. This issue calls for the watchman. Yes, and I, I'm telling you Amen. why I say that because there are some people, and, and and my focus really, to be honest with you, when I look at this, is because when it comes to the Bible, it is spiritual. Mm-hmm. And the carnal man cannot under those, understand those things because they're spiritually discerned. Amen. So whose responsibility yep. is it to get it out to them? It's the man and woman of God, those who are spiritual. Mm. But some will not touch the issue because they claim that the issues are decided politically. But these are biblical okay. issues. Amen. And whenever you deem a biblical issue political, political, what it does is it narrows the pastors uh, and spiritual leaders uh, ability in their own minds because you, excuse me, you have it, but in their own minds, they say, I cannot touch that area. I cannot take that area on my platform because I'm tax exempt. So what happens is Mm. it's like what you're allowing the people, what you're allowing is just like people are tearing pages out of the Bible and burning them up or throwing them away. Every right. time you take a biblical issue, the issues that they say are political and not biblical, I can take you anywhere in the Bible to show you Amen. that I could take you to the place in the Bible, I should say, to show you when no, these are biblical issues. God's word gives answers to all things mm-hmm. that pertain to life and godliness. Peter wrote this. The word of God gives us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Amen. And so when the person says this is a political issue, is either in ignorance or it's in cowardice. Yep. Mm. Well, there's definitely a lot of situations where, you know, they're not really reading the whole word. And that's where the watchmen really come in. If you didn't get a chance to hear that episode, I do recommend you go back. And because there is a whole new group of... Um, really ministries that need to be reawoken in the church. And uh, that is the old order of the watchman to, to cry out that there's movement on the horizon, that, that we have enemies and that these enemies are going to cause our judgment, really. And we're going to see yeah. this, you know, happen in our lifetimes. Those tax exemptions might make you morally yeah. exempt as well. Yes. <laughs> I, want to, I want to do something. What did you hear... When I was counting off with my fingers, what did you hear? One, two. No, what did you hear? What did you hear? What did you hear audibly? The air. What did you hear audibly from me? Oh. <laughs> Breathing. Sorry. What did you hear verbally from me? Nothing. You're nothing. What did you hear verbally from me? Not a thing. Okay. I'm making a point. The body of Christ cannot allow itself to be silent by mm. believing in this. And this is what happens when you say it's political, but it's in the word. Now you become silent in that area. You say, I don't want to deal with politics, but it's not politics. It's biblical. That's so right. You become silent. Right. You say nothing. And if you say nothing, then who's going to hear the right thing? And who's your God? Who's your God? Is, is who's the your Bible, daddy? Right? I think who's your daddy? Saying. You've allowed you've allowed the world, you've allowed government, which God instituted, but it's turned away from God. You've allowed it to silence you. Mm-hmm. Right. When you can think about all of our listeners, you know, here we are talking about the things the church doesn't talk about, and you can see here that the watchman is definitely something that has gone silent in the church, and here you can see 
why the church is having so many problems in the world is because it fails to address what's happening in the world. It fails to talk about yeah. what we're all talking about. Well, I think we just got schooled there. We did. Dr. Pastor. I think yep. school's in session, folks. Yes. Better get that notebook out. Whew. Yeah, that, was, that was the right Stop word right speaking there. speaking up. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, you think about some of these as examples, the family. What are some other examples of things that you feel, you know, the silence seems to be deafening? Ooh. Wow, that's a big one, Kev. That's, that's huge. That's, that's a good one. We, we've, discussed, <laughs> we've discussed the same-sex marriage. And we just started. We've discussed the abortion. Yeah. Um, I would say when it comes to using, okay, I want to go further, not just abortion, but when it comes to using um, baby parts yes. for oh, different Lord medication, we're, we're, we're silent Lord on Jesus. that. And some people become silent because they may have a certain condition, and instead of trusting God to heal them or uh, whatever oh. the case may be, they'll go ahead and they'll take that. And they'll say, well, they told me it was. So when did, when did you start believing that the world were the truth tellers and God was not? Right. right. Well, if you so, go farther, the bottom line is that a lot of vaccines actually have fetal tissue in them, right? Yeah. Oh, the no, second, but they say it's old cloned. Right. See, like as if it's better that it's 40-year-old cloned fetal tissue. Right. Y'all, used baby parts is still used baby parts, yeah. okay? Also, the second part is that they, they do use it. Okay, they're called fetal cell lines, which right. is what she's talking about, the yeah. old cloned fetal tissue. But that's what they call it now. But how is that memorialized? It's a memorialized sacrifice that they're applying. That in you're this. putting in your body or your children's body. Well, and again, I didn't know. The way they say Ugh. that in these particular vaccines is that they say they use those fetal cell lines to develop the vaccine, and they say they used it to test the vaccine. Well, I also, um, I know Dr. Does have something to say, and I just interrupted him, but I just also wanted to say, like, something about that, too, because it also has, um, you guys probably don't know this, but vaccines have worm DNA in it. They also have cocker spaniel DNA in it, um, most of our major vaccines. Mm -hmm. um, ew. I just there's some information by the Jackson report that goes into all that. So on some level, I almost feel, and we haven't really talked about this, but bestiality, because you are marrying animal parts into your own body. You're taking them into your own body. Now, that's not exactly, you know, what Leviticus says, but there is something about intermingling of species like that. Like, Absolutely. Did the you, Bible sign, says did you sign are, up for worm DNA? Did right. you, you signed your children up for it, whether you know it or not, if you got the vaccines. Did you sign up to put Cocker Spaniel DNA in them? You probably didn't realize because ignorance is bliss. Um, the Bible clearly commands that we're not supposed to mix species. You know, yep. and again, eating an animal is not mixing species. Well, it's not the same as... But yeah. taking an animal tissue, right, and you yeah. filter it down, they're not perfect at filtering things, right? Right. Some of that's still there. And so then again, they put that directly in our Johnson body. And, Johnson and you can you can make a biblical case uh, yeah. that, that should get you... Chimpanzee, in, you know, rhinovirus. Ex yep. Exempt from every vaccine, right? Yeah. So, you know, you start to see where these things can really lead to because why? You know, you think about unholy communion. What is communion? We're taken, and the Catholics believe that when you take communion, literally it literally becomes the body. Yeah. It literally becomes the blood, right? Yeah, so here we are applying blood. these things mm -hmm. into our bodies, right? right? And how is that not a right. form of unholy communion, right? Right. Why is that okay? What, you know? Lord, I repent. I'm so sorry. I did not know when I got my children vaccines. I'm so sorry, Lord. Please forgive me. Another another thing, when, when we're talking about all these things, and I know earlier we were, when we were talking before we came on, we were talking about healing and, mm -hmm. and he's on healing. 
Yeah. But how can you expect God to work gifts of healings and miracles when you decide to trust the world with all of the concoctions yes. that it comes up with for your, with its side effects. Yes. Mm-hmm. With its side effects. When you think of the word uh, sorcery yes. in the Greek, you get the word pharmakeia and pharmakon. And it has to do with a sorcerer and his potion. Yep. And uh, the, its spell and its lot on the person of that which it brings on the person. And, and think about when you see things, they'll give you this and you'll see a commercial show you all these beautiful things and all this about this one action is going to, this one problem is going to take care of. And then you get this professional fast <laughs> speaker. Make If you have thoughts of suicide, please see your, yeah. why would you want to put something in your body to alleviate one thing, alleviate one thing and give you a multiplicity of problems. Mm-hmm. Now people say, here it is, he has a problem with medicine. Who's gonna say that? I don't have a problem with medicine, I have a problem with drugs. Because right. here's what happens, you get people who say, well, I've heard people say this, well, God is now doing gifts of healings through the doctors. So now what God has decided to do, I, doctors are good, the word Jesus said, those who are sick have need of a physician. Mm-hmm. But do all doctors function like doctors today? No. no. Because no, we, some we do not function, and, and I got a doctor in front of me, so he don't have a problem with me saying that. I right. mean, I'm, I'm a doctor from a uh, theological standpoint. He's a doctor in a, a medical whatever standpoint, so he don't mind me saying that because right. he believes uh, he believes the things that he believes the things that God says, and he knows there's a lot of things that are being given out that are bad. Right. So. When, why would we decide that now God has given that to a man? Yeah. Uh, and so if that man has that gifts, those gifts, then why do they have to write out something that you don't understand? You take it to the pharmacist. They understand it. And they give it to you. And you're feeling okay about that one problem. But you are spaced out with a lot of other problems. Right. So you're getting things that people are working on their drugs. And because these things are drugs, synthetics and what have you, they were not made for your body. Now somebody may become upset with me right now, but I'm not bothering you about your medication that you take. But what I am talking about is your faith that you sometimes do not use. Mm. And if you're going to go to those things, then you don't really need God. There was a king in the Old Testament who had a big toe problem. <laughs> and he, yeah, that, that sounds funny, doesn't it? It's yeah, true. but it's real. It's he had real. A big had... toe problem, and God sent a word for him what he mm-hmm. was to do, but he wouldn't listen, and he sought human help. Mm-hmm. What happened? He died from a big toe problem. There's a, God wants us to trust Him, and we can't expect all of these gifts to flow that God has if we're not going to trust Him. God says he's going to do this for you. You say God is going to do this for you. And then the moment you walk away, you're asking somebody else, what do they think? Mm. Like they can give you advice on what God really meant when he said what he said. Mm. That's right. Amen. You know, the other thing that we were talking I guess I'm about. I'm in trouble now. No, you aren't. We thought that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. You Wait, know, did the, he have gout? <laughs> that hurts. You feel I've, like you're dying. I've had gout. It is a big toe problem. It's it weird. It's a big problem. <laughs> I had it once. And I was like, oh, this is awful. You know, the other thing we talked about is, you know, it, when you, you look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, they're they're before this, you know, image of gold that Nebuchadnezzar set up. And, you know, I mean, there's tens of thousands of people there, right? And they're told to bow. And yet they didn't. 
And you know, you have that many people. There's no way that anyone could have recognized anyone unless everybody was what? Kneeling down and they were standing up. And what I'm trying to say there is, is that when we, you know, capitulate with politics, right? And uh, as my wife will tell you, that's my favorite word. Acquiesce is better. Acquiesce. This makes me so much smarter. <laughs> <laughs> you start to think about acquiescing or capitulating with the politi- political you know, agenda, right? That's not what God intends, right? You are losing your witness, you know? And you, Doc, you were telling me about that psych ward you were in and how you <laughs> got to be one of the guys there and one of the other, um, I don't know, what was he coming down the hall smoking and... <laughs> He was working trying to help those people. Uh, yes, I was. I was uh, interning at this place, and uh, they had like three wards, three three levels. And uh, as I was going in, uh, I saw this this man in a robe, and he had, his hair was fairly long, his nails were long. He had a uh, cigarette in his mouth, with the ashes. Ashes were long, where the ashes were kind of like bent over. If you see people smoke <laughs> cigarettes where they don't, and he was walking, sort of like a zombie. But yeah, you know, he wasn't a zombie because he was alive. And I looked, and I recognized this person, and it was a pastor. Uh, I turned away because I didn't want them to see me, even in the condition that they were in. I didn't want them to see me, and they end up being humiliated. Uh, but that day, I went to the third floor, and that's where they would have the teenagers who had these different uh, issues. And I was teaching them some things out of the Bible, and this one kid, he was 13 years old, and he's, I'm sure now he's in his, he's in his, well, yeah, he's either in his late 30s or he might even be in his, yeah, I would say late 30s. But uh, as I was teaching them, I could tell that, you know, he was more so, uh, his facial expressions were more so like, you know, whatever, whatever. I can't remember what I said to him because it was some time ago, but I remember what he said to me. He said that it's just hard. He said, I find it hard to believe in something that I cannot see. And when he said that, I said within myself, oh boy. I wasn't expecting that. And silently, inside, no mouth moving or anything, I began to pray. And I said, Lord, you have to show me something to help him. And this is true. Right when I prayed, I looked out the window. I happened to look out of the window because there's a window. The blinds were back. And there was a, a palm tree. And apparently the wind was blowing because the branches on the tree was blowing. They were moving. They were flowing. Flowing. So I put a smile on my face. I was like, I got it. So I turned to the kid and I said, so now, uh, I said, what do you see outside of that window? And he answered right on cue like it was scripted. He said, a tree, palm tree. I said, and what's happening with that tree? He said, the branches are, the branches are moving. I said, okay. I said, what's causing the branches to move? He said, oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah, God. Yeah, right, God. I said, no, 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 no. You told me you don't believe in God. I said, tell me. Uh, you told me. I said, no, no, not. No, I didn't say you don't believe. I said, no, no. Uh, tell, no, I want to know what you think. Don't answer it. I want to know what you, what 
It's causing those branches to move. He said, the wind. I said, okay. I said, how do you know? He said, I just know. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now you, and I remember talking with him just like this. I said, you just told me that you found it hard to believe in something that you cannot see. So how do you know that it's the wind? And just that quickly, I, I saw it in his face and in his eyes. He said, oh, I see now. I got it. I get it. And when all the kids left out, he was the last one. And he wanted a Bible. And I remember giving him this, this black leather, this leather, this, this Bible, which was bonded leather, leather black. I gave it to him. The kid was 13 and he'd never seen a Bible. Mm. But when I came back that next week, he was no longer there. Mm. I like to believe that this kid was healed. I don't know, but I never saw him in there yeah. again. Mm. And, and the here's the one. thing. We've got a lot of people where what we've done is we substituted, once again, uh, when uh, the Bible becomes political, we vote things in and we get legislation passed, legislature passed, and, and now everything is a mental health issue. Nothing is sin anymore. That's right. Uh, certain crimes are not a crime, it's a mental health issue. All of those things are designed to keep God out of the picture. That's right. But I witnessed these, this thing happening as well as other things. And so as, as watchmen, as believers, speaking of the watchmen, as believers and watchmen, we are responsible to make sure that what is biblical remains biblical. Right. Because if we allow what is everything that's biblical to be deemed political, there will be nothing left to preach if that sets in our heart. But we have to make sure that we point out that what you have that's political is supposed to be based in what is biblical. Amen. And you can see that, you know, you stood out on that floor and that probably has something to do with why people were willing to engage you. Why are you different? You know, and then that passage in the Bible that says, be ready, right? For what? Everybody to be able to answer for the hope that lies within them. And that's what you were really able to do. And that's what makes, you know, the difference. You know, when I start to think through, you know, some of these things, I love, you know, what you brought up there, but that we lose our witness when we just go along with everything. Everybody, nobody likes a, a yes man. Nobody can respect somebody who is just, you know, trying to get along at all times. No, you were giving something powerful. The reason God chose Abraham was he was able to what? Pass his beliefs down. He was a good steward of what God gave him. And we know that now because the Dead Sea Scrolls found out that basically you got almost a 2,000 year period here where they didn't really hardly lose a, even a few letters. Right? So you're starting to see here that those people took the word of God and they wrote it down in a fastidious way okay, to, to, to great lengths and passed it down accurately to us. And if we can't stick up for the biblical, right? It's the same thing with Jesus Christ. You know, we have thousands of manuscripts here, right? Why? Because they wrote it down, folks. It's important. This is the heritage. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. In the beginning was the word. 
right? And that word is something that we're passing down. And we can't allow that word to be corrupted with lies. And that's the, the, the gist of, of stop being so political. Politics is not our God. They don't have the right agenda. Only amen. God does. Go, baby. That's all I was saying. It was just amen. I was just getting schooled over I, here. I'm taking notes and... <laughs> oh my goodness she's gonna wake up any second and realize there was got to be a problem with that one <laughs> no, no here, here's the thing and you know I capitulate wow i'm shocked uh-huh. you know and the well, other thing <laughs> the other thing you really said that really you know triggered something in me when when you talked about trusting god you know right now we're in a narrative where we're not allowed to trust our bodies trust God knew what he was doing when he made our bodies that our bodies can actually develop something no, called this vaccine's better natural mRNA immunity vaccine. I have to believe natural immunity is better than I yes. mean a vaccinated unnatural immunity but, their their immunity is better than a natural immunity see now I'm gonna have to jump in see but this is where they undermine you right because they want you to believe so this constant message of natural immunity does not work it's not good enough. It's the unvaccinated because natural immunity is crap. It's this, um, in, in a way, it is saying God was wrong, right? right. Not, I'm not saying that. But that's what that messaging is saying. That's what it's telling us, that somehow God got that wrong. In the same way that they're like, well, God also got genders wrong. Right. Right? So that, you know, it's a, it's a way to subtly undermine his authority. Absolutely. Like, you guys just, you know, it's the bigger picture, Right. Exactly. Satan's been working on this for a long time, so he's he's you know worked his little way into it. There was well, well, Alex was talking. There was this well, this came to mind, and I decided that I would get their definition forward instead of just uh, speaking uh, uh, more so paraphrasing things. But we hear today, we hear you need to speak your truth. Mm. And the question we need to ask is, does that take us away from the Bible? Amen. And so if you look at the definition of that, you'll get your answer. Uh, And here it it is. Speaking your truth means that you stay true to who you are, whether it's your feelings, opinions, (laughs) or morals. Don't hide what you feel for the sake of someone's approval of you. It shouldn't work that way. Rather, you should stay true to your own opinions and voices, no matter what anyone else may think. While it's easier said than done, you won't even regret speaking your truth. Even if you probably avoid conflict and tension, you'll never tension, you'll never regret it. It reflects your courage, bravery, and most importantly, integrity. Uh, when you speak wow. your truth, if your truth is not what the word of God says, then he's <laughs> absolutely, whoever wrote that is absolutely correct. You speak in your opinion and God's word did not come by any private interpretation. Amen. And so what you're doing then is you're saying, I have a truth that differs from God's truth. And if your truth differs from God's truth, that may be true about you, that you will violate what God lays out or you think differently from God. But the outcome will not be a good one. Mm. And we have, to be, we have to be careful. We have to be aware of the devices that Satan uses mm-hmm. when man comes up with these different sayings. We have to be very, your own morals. Okay, you can't, you can't have your own morals and yet they be right with God. 
right. you can't have your own opinions and yet they be right with God. You can't have your own ideas and expect them to be right with God. Whatever it is, it must line up with the will of God. You know, I want to take a moment to also just echo that, that again, if you're a pastor, we're not here to hear your truth, right? We're here to hear God's truth, right? Now, this is John Adams. It's a dissertation of the canon and feudal law of 1765. But this is what he says. He says, let the pulpit resound with the doctrines and sentiments of religious liberty. Let us hear the dangers of thraldom of our conscience from ignorance, extreme poverty and dependence. In short, from civil and political slavery, let us see delineated before us the true map of God. And what is that map? What is that agenda? What is that desire? What's the deepest desire God has to bless you? That's why he came and that's why he died on the cross. That's why he says that we are supposed to choose a blessing. But there is also something out there called a curse. And people are choosing it every day. Jeremiah 17, 5. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes his flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. And so we have to remember that when we choose God, we are choosing the blessing. There are some difficult things sometimes. You know, we're talking about discipline. And if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. Right? There's a lot of things. The Bible comes right out and says, hey, a lot of things are legal, right? but they're not profitable. right? And so we want to be, when you start to really work with people, you don't, you don't want things that are neutral. You want things that are profitable. Right? right. And so this is that thing where we have to realize the the Bible is what we really stand on. It's our foundation. Yes. The true truth as opposed to your truth. Amen. They're not the same thing. They don't align. <laughs> because if they did, right, we'd be perfect from the get. We yep. are not. <laughs> oh, and now the other verse I'm going to leave you with is Romans six sixteen. I almost said 666, but... Um, oh, it says, that's a different show. It says, what do, you know, uh, do you not know that when you offer yourselves as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey, whether you're slaves to sin leading to death or to mm-hmm. obedience leading to righteousness? And so this really comes down to God is not trying to be a killjoy. We all know that. If you know God, you know he is love, you know he is light, you know that he is the way, the truth, and that's why truth is important. Truth is important because people perish without it. And so when you're being politically correct, you're actually compromising the truth. And that's why we need the watchman, right? That's why we need the watchman. Yep. So you have to be careful as to who you exhibit yourself. That word yielding, you exhibit yourself. You're showcasing mm-hmm. yourself. You're, you're, and think about it. When you're a servant, when you're a servant, you live to do the will of that master. That's right. So are you going to do the will of God? I mean, the great, here's a master that gives you freedom. Are you going to live to do the will of sin, which brings you into bondage and captivity? Yeah. And, and when we do these things, we, when we get our own, as we say, uh, when we decide that we're going to allow political things to be separated from the word, you need to understand that at that particular time, you have decided that you're going to reject God, fall away from God, and take the results of that. I want to leave you uh, with Jeremiah uh, chapter uh, 18. I just want to read a few verses beginning at verse 5. so You can see what happens when we leave God's word. 
It reads, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. At this time, people would say, here are those people, and I'm speaking of some Christian people. They would say, well, that's for Israel, but it's not for us. Well, you didn't go to the seventh verse, did you? Because in the seventh verse, it reads, at what instant shall I speak concerning a goe? Goe, that's your Hebrew word for nation. Shall I speak, a goe, should I say? Shall I speak concerning a foreign nation? We would be a foreign nation from Israel. And concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it. If that nation against whom I pronounce turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. Mm -hmm. And at what instance I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant up. If it do evil in my sight, that obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good. Wherewith I said, I would benefit them. So we need to, uh, as watchmen, we need, if we really love our nation, Paul loved Israel. He said if he could, he would have given his life for it. He loved his nation. And, and you should because the earth is the Lord's. And if the Lord put you here, I don't care what your ethnicity is, you should love your nation. But right. love God first. And if you love God first and you appreciate the nation that he gave you, then as watchmen, we need to go forward and say, no, if it's political, it still has to be biblical. Because if what is, if what is political is no longer biblical, then it is turned away from God. Watchmen, sound the alarm, mm -hmm. blow your trumpets, warn the people. And more importantly, you just, you just listen to all this stuff come together. You start to see that this is what God is trying to tell all of us, that we, we really have sown something. And we have sown something, and we are about to start reaping it. And we can see virtually every part of our reality, every part of our society starting to unravel. And you can see that united we stand and divided we fall, right? And this is all part because we have lost our moorings. We have lost our faith. We have damaged the foundation. And that foundation is the word of God and the family. And you can see why now is the time where we need to begin to let the biblical control everything. We need to get God back in our schools, back in our government, and most importantly, back into sitting on the thrones of our own heart. Amen. 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 What's yep. your last word, baby? Amen, amen, amen. That's all good stuff. You know what they're also saying, too, is that when we vote, that vote has to count for something, and it has to count for something godly. So that means it's not okay to say, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't like the way that guy speaks, so I'm going to vote for the guy that's pro-abortion and pro-whatever what, like, craziness that is not godly, because you are essentially supporting that agenda. Amen. So you have to go into this and look at who, what their policies are, what they support. I don't listen not just to what they're saying, but what they represent and what they're going to choose for the future of this nation. Amen. Choices have consequences. They do. They have consequences. We're reaping those now, folks. Yes. So God bless each one of you, yes. and I pray that you will think about how can you become a more biblical Christian. Because when you do that, you are following the way, the truth, and the life. And in if Jesus you're a watchman, Christ. you've got a flock to lead. That's right. Amen. Amen. Pastor Dozer, give Thank us you. a word of prayer to Thank you so uh, for much, the whole too. country here in the world. 
Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy. And at this hour, we lift up our nation. We lift up the United States of America to you. We lift up Canada to you. We lift up the nations around the world to you now. Father, we lift up those Christians who are standing and holding the banner, those Christians who are being watchmen in their nations and being persecuted for it. Some put to death, some imprisoned, some tortured. And we pray, God, that you would give them strength. We pray that you would give them boldness. We pray for leaders and nations. We pray, Lord God, that leaders would turn their hearts to you, that Lord God, when, when ministers and preachers of the gospel and watchmen go uh, to a leader that they don't go to take a picture so they can frame it in their office, but they go to speak what does said the Lord. And Lord, I pray that you would prick the hearts of those leaders. I pray that yet again, that they would turn Lord and that they would lead their nation in righteousness, not allow themselves to be bought off Lord, but be more concerned about the destiny that you have for them. So we thank you Lord in our nation. We thank you that we're going to see more watchmen rising up Amen. in this time and season in jesus mighty name amen amen let's let the watchmen start to blow that trumpet and remember your voice can be heard the same way ours is being heard and we thank you so much for listening god bless you yes Thank you to our loyal subscribers and listeners. We really appreciate you guys. And we want to let you know about SupernaturalJunkies.com. If you sign up for the newsletter there, you'll be the first to know about anything that's happening with us, any events we might be doing. And also Kevin's book, The COVID Beast, is out now and available on Kindle. You can get that on our website. And the Audible version, as well as the softcover book, should be out in a few weeks from now. Signing up for that newsletter will get you in the loop to be the first to hear about it. We're also going to be coming out with SupernaturalJunkies.com gear with that cute cartoon logo. Because some of you have been asking about that, we're going to have it on mugs, t-shirts, and hoodies, as well as stickers and magnets. If you want in on that, like I said, sign up for that newsletter. Also, if you love our podcast, we would really appreciate it if you could write us a review on any of the platforms you listen on or share this with anyone you think might be interested. I know we harp on it all the time, but that's because that review helps us get found. It helps boost us on the algorithm. And that's why we're always asking. So, because we don't have a lot of reviews right now. So that would mean the world to us. Once again, we appreciate you guys. So grateful for you. Thank you and have a blessed week.